this goes back to not just voting, but dude, this even is a dog. A, the dog. Even a dog <laughs> agrees with me. Let me tell you something. <laughs> dog back here, fucking Hemi. He he doesn't like Biden. Yeah. This is a fair. This is a Marxist neighborhood, and the dog's not happy about it. The dog. The dog's a French bulldog, I think. And uh, the dog uh, was a Melanchon dog. The dog's a communist dog. That's another story. Hello, comrades and friends. This is Nancy Pelosi. Good morning. Sunday morning. Just want to... I'm just (laughs) trying to get you guys all worked up. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. We're having a nice time in the uh, garden today. We have Kobe here. And we just want to have a casual conversation about things, how things are going, and where things should go, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Hi, Kobe. Hey, Rob. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. It's been a long time coming. I know. Well, uh, you've been very busy. Yeah, you know, but to be honest, I kind of missed it um, for a while there. We were, like, doing, like, at least once a month, so, like, we have a lot of shows to make up for. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of you have a lot of shit you got to fucking you got to tell us now. <laughs> so, without getting into uh I'm going to start the thing this way because what people don't know is we've been here hanging out for a few hours, having some food and bullshitting. Um and really what I want to talk about is this. I want to talk about lost primaries. Alex Morris and, you know, Shahid Buttar didn't lose his primary, but he probably will. And that's why I did the, uh, that's why I did the Pelosi because, you know, she's horrible, but, and both, um, Alex Morris and Shahid Buttar kind of got rat fucked. Like a lot of people we know the establishment kind of gave them the business. And I wonder what your feeling about those situations is. And I want to talk about how to um, avoid those in the future. But like, what's your what's your feeling on those two, the Morris and the Butar? And then we'll talk about like what it means. Can I add another one to that? Um, Kobe Owens. <laughs> Kobe Owens. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Charles Booker is another one. Um, yes, that's where you true. Really saw um, establishment support come in heavy for their opponent, um, and it gave them that little bump to get over over the hill. Um, Alice Morris was a heartbreaking one. I don't know if you saw some of the backstory that led up to the election between the College Dems in Massachusetts um, and some of the false accusations that came out. Running a political campaign, I've been multiple cycles. I've worked on campaigns, but actually running a campaign when you're the center point, I, I will say one thing, you learn who your friends are. Um, you learn who you can trust. And people who've been in your life for a long time um, will flip on you in a snap of the finger um, for their own personal gain. And 
you know, I, I'm really sad to see Morris, I think, more lose because I really think we had a chance there. When you're going up against leadership in that way, um, Nancy Pelosi, I may not agree with all her policies, but she fits her district perfectly. Um, and that's where you, you start to see some of these differences. It's very similar to in 2018. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, even though she's not African-American, she fit her district policy-wise. You see that with Ayanna Presley. You see that with um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So understanding the type of progressive you have to run in order to win those districts, um, to start pushing more of these policies. Um, sometimes it, it's people get lost in the sauce um, of saying these overarching policies without breaking it down, what it truly means for the people you're going to be representing, the people who actually have a vote. Um, so I think, again, Charles Booker did an amazing job of breaking down what a Green New Deal meant for Kentucky, um, what it meant for farmers, what it meant for um, the average person out there. And then he also did it in an intersectional way um, that also brought in and lifted up African Americans in Kentucky, which, I mean, time after time again, you see them left out the conversation. Um, the congressman out there, the Democratic congressman out there represents a black district. Um, and he actually tried to get into the black caucus at one point and they said no. But other than that, you really don't see true representation out there for them. Yeah. So I guess my my concern is, and, and all three of those um, situations are are different because... Morris had a chance to beat somebody in leadership in a rep race, which is different than, you know, Booker in this sort of Senate primary, uh, which is different than Shahid Buttar because uh, although it's a rep race, the demographics are way different. My concern about it is that we need to be better in recognizing what the establishment's going to do and not playing into it. I feel like the establishment's taking advantage of some of the cracks in our, in our system and excluding people. And so they're like, ah, we, we, we make it very easy. Uh, we make it very easy to smear leftist candidates. Leftists make it easy to smear leftist candidates, which is not going to help us. And so that's my thing. And I'll ask you, to perf this is a perfect question. About a year ago, maybe, you and I talked about Shahid Buttar. And this is before he was able to finish second in the primary and go on. To, this is before anybody really even knew who he was. And you were like, I don't know. Like, people kind of don't like him. I don't know what kind of manager he is. You know, I, you know, I don't know. Which is completely fair. And it's just funny that nine months later, he's sort of rat-fucked based on, like, the way he manages. So you kind of knew, you knew nine months ago what, like, what, how people could get at him. And I just, I, I find that very interesting. Like, and I feel like we need to learn those lessons to keep solidarity together. Do you remember having that conversation? I do, I do, and... You know, I, I say this all the time. So, yes, I am progressive. I am 
you know, I'm unapologetic about it, but also I'm black. Um, and I think one of the things that sometimes is lost um, with some of these candidates is how to truly build a coalition that is diverse. Um, and again, like Alice Morris, that district is a more traditional, older white district, but he was still able to bring in a very diverse team. Um, and that, for at least for me, that shows me a lot. Um, even in my race, um, I, I was, I was the oldest person on my campaign team, like on my legitimate campaign team, and I'm 25. Um, but altogether, we had um, dozens of young, first time, like getting involved with politics, um, young volunteers involved with our campaign from all demographics. And we were able to use that um, momentum, use that energy to kind of create like a new like generation the next generation of like who's going to be involved with electoral politics, whether they're running for office, uh, running campaigns, or doing the policy-based issue campaigning. Um, so I think that shows a lot of like where your heart truly is. And again, like you can say, like I said earlier, you can say Medicare for all, you can say Green New Deal, but if you're if you don't have anything to go behind it, if you don't know the issues in depth and how it's going to affect, when you say Green New Deal, black people, we've had a New Deal before and it left us out. So how are you going to have that Green New Deal that's inclusive to minorities, ensuring that the black and brown communities are not ignored? Because if you look at it, we're the ones who are on the front line of this climate change and environmental issues and injustices. So you have to be able to talk to the level of the voter you're at. So again, overarching policies are good, but you have to be able to break it down into a way. And you know, I just did not see that. I didn't see that in his campaign back then, uh, that strong coalition building. And again, like Twitter warriors are great. You know, having a bunch of retweets and likes are great. But at the end of the day, how many of those people are signing up to phone bank, volunteer, and be on the ground for you? Well, let me ask you that. So here's here's the thing about, uh, because I think there's a thing with Shahid Batar, whatever you, I mean, and, and I'm still interested in, like, I understand sort of um, there's different ways to run an insurgent campaign. But he is... I mean, he, he certainly has um, the right... I mean, he's a constitutional attorney, but his proclivities are left. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and, and unless you don't uh, sort of trust where he's coming from, you know, I think he would certainly be from, a, from an overall... Uh, kind of strategy he would be better are you saying that you don't think that he's just not doing politics the right way to, to build a coalition or the coalition isn't there and 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 I and I want to take that idea about like what your ideas are and then how you do politics and how you get power more in a local way because I think it I think there's lessons to be learned locally from whatever your idea is about this yeah, so I think it's the coalition building on a local level that he's missing. I think he's done a great job with building that national support. 
um, and bringing national awareness. I mean, whenever you challenge someone that high up in leadership, you're going to see like you're going to see the media reports. You're going to see more people engage with it because for some reason in America, we center in on those big name people. We center in on the Nancy Pelosi's, the president of the uh, U.S. We center in on the majority leader. Well, also, we have to realize that we can focus in on our own races as well, too. And I think he's done a good job focusing in on I'm challenging Nancy Pelosi. Um, I'm taking on the leader of the establishment. But again, it's transitioning that same support into that like actual getting work done support, which is something a lot of people struggle with. I struggled with it, especially when I first started my campaign. Um, I had a, I'm not going to say I had a huge national presence, but I had like a small one. Um, and I had a lot of people who for years had said they would support, but when it came time to actually do something like, oh, well, I'm busy. I can't do this. So like, again, it's the people you, who weren't in your circle, who you meet on a campaign, who become like your biggest helpers, your biggest volunteers, your biggest workers. Um, on a campaign, they they become more reliable than your own family because your family's like, eh, you know, let me catch you next week, Kobe. Um, where you have a volunteer who beats you by like 30 minutes to every canvas launch, to every phone bank. They're already sitting in the Zoom when you log on. Um, and it's those volunteers and those people on your campaign who drive you to keep going. You know, at least for me, that's how it was. Um, you know, especially when it came to, I made over, God, I made over 3,000 calls um, for call time in a global pandemic for a small city council race that a lot of people, the majority of my list was outside that. So I wasn't going to get, from the very beginning, I knew I was going to get a bunch of mats out donors. Um, but when that single mom who has three children, you know, say, look, I'm struggling right now. My hours just got reduced. Um, but Kobe, I've known you. I know the work you did. I'm going to send you $15, $20. Like to me, that is huge because I know what that $15 or $20 could be. That could be a meal. You know, that you could be buying spaghetti and making spaghetti for three, four days. That's So that's three, four meals you just gave up because you trust the campaign I'm running and you trust that if I get elected, I'm going to follow through on my messaging. So this is the this is the demarcation that I see, right? <clears throat> because I know, you know, a lot of people know, that's where you're at. I've known that for a long time. But then on the other hand, um, I don't know how what you want to call it, like uh, the the Shahid Buttar sort of getting the making yourself a thing. And getting photos with national political figures and like having a uh, social media presence. I'm not even saying that's bad. Like, I'm not trying to fuck with you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I, I get it. I've always been the one to be like, and I've told you this privately. Like, I, I understand that part. But do you think that that, do you think people, do you think you can have it both ways? Do you think you can get a, a, an endorsement from, uh, I don't know, uh, Castro? Did Castro endorse you? He did, yes. Yeah. 
Because you do work. Because you do real work. I've seen you fucking do it. But do do you think people think? Well, this guy's just uh, ambitious, and he's just down doing this for these uh, selfies and shit. And and they and they miss what you're actually doing yes. in the neighborhood. Yes. So yeah, let's talk about the Castro one. So I've known him for a long time. I've known his family for a long time. Um, and when I first decided to run for city council outside of my family and friends here in Delaware, um, he was one of the first, I guess he's a national figure, national figures I've reached out to. Um, and he was already in his presidential campaign and he took time to sit down and talk to me. He talked to me about when he first ran for city council. And when he first ran for mayor and some of the issues that they affect, er, had there and how, you know, his mom influenced a lot of things for him, very similar to how my mom influences a lot in my life. Right. Being a son of a single mother um, in the city of Wilmington. And then on top of that, when you're in a cabinet position, you're there to serve at the leisure of the president. But you also learn more about the ongoing issues. So one of my biggest things for Wilmington and for my district was housing. So I remember growing up um, during the 07-08 housing crisis, going past the Department of Labor as I go to school, seeing the long lines all the way down to the Foreman Mills, going, you know, watching half my block get boarded up, watching, you know, some of my best friends have to move off the block um, because their houses are being repossessed. Um, so, and seeing, and so when I see that our neighborhood is still struggling to recover from that, and it's been 13, 12, 13 years now, um, I wanted to center the housing crisis that we have right now in Wilmington around that. So who best to talk to than a former housing secretary um, and using, again, like it's my own privilege, it's my own opportunities that I was afforded in life that gave me the opportunity to work with him and know him. Um, but using that to craft a people's first housing plan for Wilmington, one that centered around um, creating more affordable housing, creating more opportunities from home ownership, eliminating things like down payment um, through programs in the city, which is the number one deterrent that so many people aren't getting houses and, and starting that um, starting to accumulate that wealth is because they're already paying that in rent. Right. So they're paying, you know, eight fifty, you know, twelve hundred dollars in rent in the city of Wilmington, which rivals Philadelphia and other big cities. But we have a quarter of the economic opportunity here. So you're paying more in a, um, more than your mortgage and rent. Right. So if we can get them to have home ownership here in the city of Wilmington, then you start to save people money. You have people take hold of their community. Um, and then on the back end of that, you also create a homeowner repair grant that doesn't have any stipulations that says, oh, well, you know, if you repair your house, you got to live here for the next 15 years, something like that. No, we've seen the climate change like crazy here in Wilmington and we see more storms we've had tornadoes um hurricanes that's damaged roofs we have people living like Jasmine Queen who lost her life a, a young um daughter of Wilmington we have people living in households that 
they're renting that has black mold, no heat, um, no no hot water and stuff like that. So when I sat down with him, because I'm not someone who just says I want affordable housing because affordable housing has a m many different faces. How can we actually get to the root causes to maximize the impact for the better for the citizens of Wilmington and especially for the first district? Do you think that let me let me let me phrase it this way. <clears throat> I understand that your work with Castro in housing because uh, of his position in in the housing and urban development before. I understand why that's important for your local work. But do you think that that gets lost? Does that get communicated properly, or do people just see, oh, this guy's Got a, got a, like, I, I feel like we're not communicating that. Yeah. Like, people see, oh, he's on the hill. Is he just doing this for, like, no, I know that actually you're down there for serious business. But for some reason, the idea that that endorsement has a, has a direct implication on the housing in your district. Yeah. So like, I, d people don't, do you know, what I, do you understand what I mean? That's the part that I'm trying to figure out how to sell to people or to, have, to, to better uh, communicate what people in the community are trying to do, that it's not, um, it's not a social media thing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it gets lost in the sauce um, a lot, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, one... I do post, like, the Kobe selfie is a real thing. Like, there's literally... I mean, let's be honest. It is a thing. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Like, we can't we can't skirt this issue. It is a thing. It's literally, like, uh, a representative from Florida, she got elected, and she asked, like, when am I going to get my Kobe, like, selfie, right? So, yeah, that's a fun thing, and it's an ongoing joke, like, internal joke, but also... One of my mentors said to me when I was young, and, and granted, like when I posted most of these selfies, um, it's because I'm a kid from North Side of Wilmington, which, you know, growing up, it was known as Murder Town, USA, literally like as I was in high school and college. Um, so like a kid like me is not supposed to get those opportunities to walk in the halls of Congress. So like, yeah, I took pictures because I was proud of what I was doing. But my mentor, who, you know, some of you may know, he, he ran for mayor here one time. Um, no, Hold uh, on, wait a minute. A no, young I do, guy. I, no, I do know that. Yeah, he's a very young, young guy. Uh, he's actually young, but he's also very tall. <laughs> very tall. Um, but he always said to me, um, never just take photos or something like that, but leave them with a memory of you. Um, and that, I took that as, from the conversations we have, I've been able to build relationships with almost every person I have a selfie with. Not because I just run up to them and ask them a certain question, but because I do follow up, because I actually ask them things about how to change my community and how, from their background, um, I, I'm weird, I'm a nerd. Um, every U.S. senator, I know their background. I know their face. I, I If I run into you, majority of the U.S. House, 435 of them, I know who they are, and I know where they come from. And that's, I guess, um, maybe that's the point I'm trying to make is, is just that. Like, I've been down there with you. These people know who you are. You're yeah. doing work. 
Like you're like, look, this is what's important to me. I'm lobbying you for this, or I brought students down to talk about this issue or whatever. Like it's it's not a joke, right? And and I I just I'm I'm hoping that people sort of understand that it's more than the while the Kobe selfie is great, <laughs> we all love it. Um, you are doing far 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 more. And I think people also have to realize, like, yeah. We're represented by Tom Carper, Chris Coons, Lisa Blum Rochester, but those are only three votes. So for major legislation that's going to impact Delaware, you have to have at least another 200 representatives support it. Another 50, er, 50 U.S. senators er, er, vote for it. So while they may not be elected by us, everyone down there is voting on legislation that's going to impact my life going to impact our lives here in Delaware um, and that's why I think it's so important to have those relationships it's the same thing working with the General Assembly um, you've seen over the years that City Council and the General Assembly does not have a good working relationship you see that Wilmington is considered a joke down there sometimes um, and the only people that lose out is that everyday people in Wilmington you have um, members of the Wilmington delegation who are strong leaders, uh, but they can't do it alone. They have to have allies. There's, there's always more votes that are needed down there to have that majority or the three-fifths majority or whatsoever um, you need to pass something. Yeah, and, and I think there's going to be a, a theme to this project going forward is to try to break down some of these, uh, some of these lanes yeah, you know we got. We actually have to make more lanes. You know, expand the thing, and I think that um, trying to sort of deselect or find reasons why someone um, isn't on your side when everybody knows that they are um, is something that we have to stop doing really quickly. Um, I'll probably say more about it in the coming weeks and, and months. <laughs> But uh, it's definitely something we need to think about and, and, and completely stop doing. So two big topics I want to leave enough time for. Number one, speaking of bringing national politics home, what are we doing with Uncle Joe? Because I've, I've, I've come to sort of a, I've come to, come to Jesus Joe, he would appreciate that. Uncle Joe would appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I will tell you what I'm doing. Um, tell me what you're, I mean, if you're comfortable telling me what you're uh -huh. doing. Yeah, so, you know, it was a rough primary. Um, and I'm probably going to get backlash for this. But I am supporting Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for, you know, president now that we're in a general election. And I say that because here's the thing. Um... These last four years have been so chaotic. They've you've seen a literal a literal white supremacist go after every minority group that he possibly can. Whether it's suppressing the black vote, locking up immigrant children attacking our LGBT community, and so on. 
Joe Biden may not be the progressive champ that I wanted, but I know under his administration, I have a better chance to be able to sway him to support some of my ideas. I'm not saying he's going to come out and be like Medicare for all, but I think we have a better chance. Again, the number one thing you can do is vote. Don't get me wrong. That is your power. That's your voice, right? But you can't stop there. You have to hold the people who get elected accountable. Um, and for me, as an organizer who've been mobilizing people, not just in Delaware, but across the nation, it will put us in a better situation to at least have those negotiations and have a fairer system if we have a President Biden versus a President Trump. And I know people say, oh, well, you know, we're in a safe blue state. That is true. Um, but if you know people in a swing state, like this is the time to show up. And again, you're not just voting for yourself. You are voting for every undocumented person who lives in this country who may not have a vote. You're voting for every person who may have a felony and because of the, the Supreme Court rulings over the years have gutted the Voting Rights Act. You may, they may not have a vote right now. You're voting for all of them and that's how I look at it. I'm, I'm voting for every young person who's not 18 yet, but realizes that we don't have that much time left to actually start addressing climate change. Um, and you have someone who is slowly moving towards what we want to see versus someone who is literally gutting the EPA, um, who's literally looking at how they can maximize the dollars for fossil fuel companies. Um, and for me, I personally cannot, I feel as though if I was to vote for anyone other than Joe Biden in the general election, I would be doing a disservice to all those groups I just named. Yeah, I I, I agree with you ultimately because I've decided to vote for Biden. I'm going to vote for Biden. Um, I actually don't, I don't put, I don't talk about the vote as like this is your uh, most important way to express yourself in political life or anything like that. I, I don't actually don't believe that. But, if you don't believe it's the most important thing, then why not, like, at least do less harm? And and it will do less harm. Um, and I think that more than that, it will put us in a better position to do what we were always going to do anyway. You know, I, I say very often that the work that we're doing is not going to stop. The political work, the organizing, the mutual aid... The, the mobilization, all of that, the community work, none of it's ever going to stop. So I would prefer to do it um, when I don't feel like, when the, when the chances of us getting shot are less. And so why not just vote for Biden who gives a shit? Like, it's not like you're a worse person. And so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, for me... My family's always been involved with politics. Um, my uncle, you know, Herman Holloway Sr., um, 
marched with Dr. King. He knew Dr. King personally. Um, he, you know, he knew John Lewis. He he knew these civil rights activists of the day, and we've seen what they did back then, and then we've seen a drop-off since. Um, and now we're seeing a resurgence of leaders across America in a decentralized way. Um, so I've been involved with it, and I, you know, I read his journals um, about why voting was so important to him back then. So for me and for my family and for a lot of black people, it's honoring our ancestors who now um, lie in paradise for, you know, they fought hard for this. And for me, I must take full advantage of it. Um, again, I will... <laughs> this is interesting, though, yeah. because I was going to ask you, you mentioned John Lewis. You mm -hmm. had a phone call with John Lewis actually yes. before he passed away. Do we want to talk about that? Yeah, so I've, um, I had, again, my own personal privilege of getting to know the, the, the man, the myth, the legend, um, the good troublemaker, John Lewis. Um, he was always filled with words of wisdom and, and words of encouragement to a new generation of leaders. Um, and I think that's because he understood his fight of when he first got involved and what he had to go through and how even though he was an ally of some of the older civil rights organizers, even Dr. King, he still had to fight back against their ideas because he knew he would be here longer. Um, and kind of how that's transitioned to today, especially in the black community. You see elders who want to hold on to that proximity to power. Um, and sometimes that undermines a new generation of leadership coming up and working towards the goals that are facing, that are most prominent in our community today, that usually our young people are on the front lines of. Um, if you look at it right now, I mean, the biggest thing that you can look at is, yes, education. But let's do a little deeper dive. The digital divide is something that has been highlighted due to COVID. Um, the fact that we had to fight so hard against Mayor Pazicki's administration, who gave money to Bacini Pollen and, and the Citrus Fieldhouse to set up Wi-Fi spots there, but completely forgot about the north side completely forgot about the inner city that needed the Wi-Fi. If I'm a child in, you know, in middle school, I need a parent to drive me out to the Citrus Stadium and then be able to sit there while I do all my work out there in a car, which most people, they didn't have time to do that because they had to be at work if they were still working or they didn't have a car to get out there. Um, and you had to, it was required that you be in your car for that. So looking at, you know, yeah, I get it. Set up Wi-Fi place. That's good faith. But let's do it in an equitable way. Um, I think that's what a new generation understands is what is the pressing issues that we're dealing with today and how that has taken shape. So do you think that uh, John Lewis understood that? Because I don't think he did. In what regards? I think that he was a hero in his time as an activist. 
And I think that he then acquired political power and wielded it. And, and I think his politics were good. Um, but I think that ultimately he became an obstacle. And I think that it's important to, for people to understand why that might be. Like, and, and this is no... Uh, let me be very clear about this. This is not a uh, an insult or a dig on John Lewis as a hero. There's no question about that. Um, but if your thinking doesn't progress to realize that the people who understand the material conditions on the ground probably aren't a 70-something-year-old senator... I think that's problematic. And I think that there are things that he did. And I, and I think he's a good example only because he's such a hero. You know, other people you would expect to do, like, to do political power play moves. But when somebody like that does one, you're like, oh, I see how this can affect people. And I think it's an important lesson. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about anything personally, but I think you know what I'm saying. I mean, so, again, he was a black elected official from the South. Even, I mean, if you look back to the 08 presidential primary, he supported Hillary over his own black caucus member, Barack Obama, who was a U.S. senator at the time, um, who I think we can both agree ran on a more progressive platform so understanding um how that plays in the south sometimes is um is very interesting um you're not going to get a super progressive person like aoc or bernie in the south i think the closest of the last 10 years that we've had that I would say it's Charles Booker. That was the closest we've ever got. Um, especially of a person of color. Um, John Lewis, though, again, he represented his district, which may not have been age-wise, but ideology-wise, again, a lot of people don't know exactly. They've had bad interactions with medicare or medicaid right um so when you say medicare for all without doing that deep dive explanation it's very hard yeah here's 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 i don't want to reduce it to something that's very uh, you know, so if this is if this is too reductionist then you you tell me but for someone who was an activist and who went through the experiences that he went. His, his lived experiences were obviously very um, legendary, actually, I guess is what the word I would use. Uh, to then be, uh, I'm going to say pro-cop. To then be, pro, be pro-law and order in a, in, in a certain sense. I'm not... Uh, he can take any position that he wants. What I would want people to do is keep their mind open. 
and under, understand how. Two things. One is I've heard him say uh, publicly that although he was attacked on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, for example, that he never thought anything bad about a cop or he never wanted to, like he, he didn't have any kind of um, feeling against authority, the country's authority necessarily. Maybe, maybe it was, you know, a, a white supremacist movement, but he, he didn't have any, that didn't, he didn't make any connection with the police or the, or the country. And I also know that he, later in his life, tried to tamp down uh, activist movements that were challenging and threatening uh, law enforcement and the rule of law for reasons that he sort of did himself, but once he was sort of a more of an elder statesman kind of uh, backed off. You know, I think we, I mean, I have personal knowledge of this. And so I, I, I guess I want people's thoughts to progress. I don't want people to be anchored to an idea that's it's past now. We have other things to do. So, yeah, I mean, like, there's been polls out recently with everything going on since George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, all, um, uh, Aubrey in Georgia and so many other cases. Um, it says that you know, African Americans do not want the full eradication of the police departments from their neighborhoods. Um, many of them support, and again, like this is a messaging thing. So, like people don't like the word defund. Um, I think the GOP has great messaging where they came and they used defund to make it like a dirty quote unquote word um, versus reallocation of money. Um, even and I saw that here in, in Wilmington, um, a lot of people supported reducing the budget to the police department and reallocating that money to mental health specialists, um, to community-based alternative policing, right? But as soon as, so they agree with that, but as soon as you say that means we have to take like they understand the budget amendment but soon as you say that means we have to take away those new shotguns they just got or those new scooters they just got like oh whoa 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 we can't do that to the officers because they got to do their jobs yeah well but here's the thing hold up let me finish yeah go ahead um one thing you know me i even on my campaign um I'm always willing to talk to anyone, right? So whether I agree with them or disagree. So I even talked to women to police officers prior to June 5th, after June 5th, about at least what I was pushing through my campaign, not necessarily what the group was organizing for, um, with the reallocation of funds. Um, and I'm, I don't want to say, so before defund became a national thing, I, I was already pushing for that. When I launched back in November, it was a key part of my platform. 
um, when I had listened to the community for those five months prior to that, it was a key part of my platform. Um, so when I talked to Wilmington police officers, they agreed. They couldn't say, oh, defund, no. But they agreed that in order to for them to get back to the root of what they're supposed to be doing, which is just public safety, they should not be going out on calls for mental health. How crisis. do we make that? Yeah. How do we make that argument? Because <laughs> I've, I've been reading. I've been reading. There's, there's a there's a great um, program in Denver, Colorado, where they're sending um, like uh, mental health professionals and like a paramedic out for a, a lot of calls, whether it's a mental health call or just like an argument or somebody's hurt or or whatever. Um, so. And, and and they're getting a lot of success by basically sending out this, which is which is basically like you said, it, it's, it's basically saying like, armed. We don't really need armed people to go out to every sort of situation. But if you say uh, defund the police, how do we how do we go from the the motto defund the police uh, to 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 getting people to understand that armed people don't have to come to every emergency how do we do it politically what's what's the political move <laughs> yeah so i don't even know if i'm the best person to speak to that um again because of the success out there that they've had and even within their own school board and everything that's why i worked with my former colleague tay anderson and, and earned his support which people just oh that was his friend that's why he endorsed them no it's because we actually talked about policing and being black in america um, and the threats that we both get on our lives um, for organizing for Black Lives Matter. Um, he would probably be the best person to come on, and maybe we can host that conversation. Hook it Me up. and him are going to be in D.C. together in in, in two weeks. Um, so definitely maybe we can hook something up there. I'm going to be hooking that up. Um, but I would say this. So, one, it's everything goes back to the public awareness of what's the true issue. Um, and getting people out their own bubbles. So um, I think what happens sometimes is people who haven't had interactions with police, they see social media and then they see TV shows. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, that doesn't really happen. Um, and then they see what happens on social media and they're like, oh, but also I just saw a video of a cop playing basketball with some kids in the neighborhood. So, like, not all cops are bad. Which is true, which I, you know, I, I get pushback for saying that sometimes. Well, it's a thing between, like, the particular police person and right. the idea of the police. Right, That's exactly. People don't get So, that. like, for me, I have people who grew up in my neighborhood who are now on a police force, who are amazing officers, um, who I see behind the scenes, the work they do kind of against the status quo of what they're supposed to be doing. So they're, because they know these people, they grew up in this neighborhood. They know this person's grandmother or mom because um, they went to school with them. They're, they're gonna try to do everything in their power not to put them in our system. And I think that's what true policing is. Um, then you have people who come into the city because we only have a five year residency and we pay pretty well as a police force um, who come in they rent an apartment for five years and then they move out into the suburb who give zero fucks about the city. They come in and they're here to meet their quotas. 
and get done and make a pension. Um, I think the number one thing that we have to do is hold the FOP accountable. Um, I am a pro-labor person, but does that mean every union is right? No. No. The no, FOP, no, 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 no. We're, 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 um, we're, we're very clear about that, I think. Uh, we've been very clear about that. Right. The FOP is not a, uh, it's not a labor union we recognize. <laughs> um, they have, you know, and we've had choice words. I've had, you know, their members show up to my front door leading up to June 5th. Um, I've had their family members of police officers show up to my house to say, why do I want to kill all cops? Why do I hate police? Um, send them, you said, should just send them here. Tell them. Send, <laughs> be like, uh, actually, I know somebody you should talk to. Uh, you should go talk to uh, Rob at the bunker and just send them right over here. <laughs> if And this is what I would say back to them. If me saying Black Lives Matter means I hate the police, that should say something about you, not about what I'm saying. If that's what you say equals that, that is sad. Because I'll say this. Black Lives Matter does not mean I hate the cops. It means that I want black people to be treated fairly, to have equitable resources in our community, to have a place where I'm not scared to walk down Market Street. And even as a candidate for Wilmington City Council, I could be walking down the street and still get stopped by Wilmington Police Department in Market Street, in the city that I was born and raised, lived here 25 years, and they would still stop me. I have cousins who don't even go downtown because they're so scared of what may happen. I was at a rally and watched a 14-year-old who was talking on a bullhorn say, we need to stand up to white supremacy, and it pissed off a woman to police officer so much, he grabbed the bullhorn, pulled the young guy in, and then tackled him. And then they have the nerve, the woman to police department, Mayor Mike Pazicki, have the nerve to allow them to put charges on this young man and say he assaulted a police officer because that officer scraped his uh, elbow when falling to the ground arresting this guy. And then you wonder why you have no one out here saying, oh, we don't trust the police. Or you have people saying, we don't trust the police, but you have no one out here saying, we don't trust the fire department. We don't we, trust EMS. We talked about this earlier when we were eating our chicken. We love the fire department. We don't like the police. And I'll tell you what, uh, we have a lot of things to say about Mike Brzezicki, too. Yeah. But so uh, I don't like him. I'm, I'm going to go take a look. Hold on. I have one more question. We're going to finish this off with one more question. I have to take a look. Here's the funny thing. Like, Carl was here maybe five minutes. He was like, are we going to talk about Trump? I'm like, we might have to. Like, here's the thing. I, first of all, my wish or my hope is irrelevant. Like, nobody's wishes or hopes mean anything. Here's FYI. It's all fucking bullshit. But if Trump does die, it will be maybe the most hilarious thing that's ever happened. It's going to be so fucking I don't funny. know. I want him to hold off until, like... Later in November. Um, no. I mean, if he. I mean, here's the. <laughs> look. I don't wish de death upon anyone. Um, but I will say this. So, again, and I've said this from the very beginning. Um, Trump is an incompetent president 
who is a white supremacist. Mike Pence is a very political savvy person who's also an asshole. Um, and I think, and, and this is going to sound crazy, but I truly think Mike Pence is more dangerous than Donald Trump because Mike Pence knows how to actually make things legal. Um, yes. Trump Here, says a lot of things, yes. but he hasn't been able to follow through on a lot. Here's of what I would say, though. You're correct in that, in a sense that, like, Pence has better political uh, savvy. He has better political instincts. And so he could operate politically better, but he could never be elected president. He doesn't have the... He's not able to capture the uh, the anime and the uh, ennui or the whatever. Like, he's not able... There's, there would never be a Pence-ism. There's Trumpism that we're going to have to defeat. It's going to be. It's actually very dangerous. There would never be a Pence-ism. Now, right. now, while Pence is a better, I don't know, a politician, he could never win an election or, like, no one would ever fly flags or, like, none of this Trumpism would ever happen with Pence. While he's just as, actually maybe more crazy, He's not as dangerous because he couldn't he couldn't rally the troops like Trump can. But that all of that being said, my position is not that one is better than the other, just that Trump's death to coronavirus is fucking hilarious. I mean, that's like like I don't like wh who would be the president or what would happen in the election or whether it should happen in a month or two months. Like I. I'm not even talking about that. I mean, his if he dies from the coronavirus, it's maybe the funniest thing that's ever happened a anywhere. I mean, again, I don't wish death on anyone, but um, I think with so many people catching or testing positive over this last week, um, I think it's been 23 who were at the Rose Garden um, for this nomination says that there's a higher power out there, whether you believe in Allah, God, or whatsoever, saying, bruh, stop. Like, stop this. Like, you are really wilding the fuck out right now. Um, and fuck you for trying to push through this Supreme Court justice. Like, I'm sorry, this isn't normal Kobe, but, like, fuck you. Like, you are literally trying to push through someone. And, again, RBG... She was great in the end of her life, but she had to, you know, everyone learns. Everyone becomes, you know, more of an adult and you, you become more into yourself and everyone changes. But, like, Amy Barnett is trash. Kavanaugh is trash. Gorsuch has actually been not so trash, but he's still pretty trash. Uh, uh, he's recyclable. Um... Judge Roberts has now become more left. Um, bro, and I think he's bro, I doing saw it. a video. I saw a video this morning. So, so Kellyanne Conway is positive. There's yeah, a video of her, her. Yeah, there's a video of her like whispering to Bill Barr at the at the super spreader event. And then I see the video and I look over to my left and I'm like, oh, that's the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. <laughs> Roberts was right there, dude. And Roberts he, could die. I hope they all fucking no, die. No, no, no. 
I do not want Roberts gone. Buddy, um, buddy, but once he goes, they're all gone. Think about it. If Roberts goes, they're gone, though. Like, if Roberts goes and you're talking about a full... We're, we're worried about how to beat Trumpism. Maybe COVID beats Trumpism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, enough of them fucking croak. R.I.P. Herman Cain. <laughs> Sorry, Herman, buddy. Because um, Christie might be next, because that, that guy... Let's be honest. He's not. He's not the healthiest fucking dude. Yeah, he's not no. the healthiest dude. I mean, I mean, shout out to the big guys, but like <laughs> that dude, he had so much potential that was just lost. Um, I don't know if Carl's gonna keep this in, but um, probably. <laughs> Christie was the biggest letdown of the Republicans, second to Jeb Bush. Um. Those two, utterly, they should run a campaign together. I would love to see that. The failures of the RNC. Um, but going back to the Supreme Court, I like Roberts. I think he does a good job as Chief Justice of trying to keep true balance um, with the law. Would I want to see a more liberal Chief Justice? Of course. Um but when it comes to finding that fine balance, I think he does a good job. Um, Gorsuch has been a shocking, a shocking voice for me. I'll say of, of all of Trump's picks, um, I thought he was going to be just a staunch conservative, which he has been on some issues. But he has sided with the liberals more than I thought he would. Um, Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Thomas. I hope that Democrats actually grow a pair and say, we're going to impeach these two. Um, there is no room for rapists on the bench. Um, Kavanaugh is a complete coward. Um, and the fact is, if Amy Barnett gets on and they now have this super majority where their decisions come out in conservative favors, there is so much that's going to be changed in this nation. And that young people are going to lose out on. Um, and it's funny that you brought that up because that's why we're organizing on October 17th. That's why we're doing a week of actions, direct actions down in D.C. Um, it's because our lives are on the line. I mean, for me, it's, it's voting rights, it's climate change. It's, um, you know, it's so many things. But also within the group, we have people who identify as LGBT, um, especially black trans women who are... Um, literally under assault right now in America um, who have a high percentage of not making it past 35 in America right now. You have um, people who grow up, who grew up in labor households, who labor rights are under attack. You have women reproductive rights are under attack. So like we have a strong group of young kids who are coming out. I mean, like we coming with some fire. We have little Miss Flint, Deja Fox, um, Kobe Owens, you know, that guy's kind of What, cool. what, what? Uh, <laughs> Tate Anderson, like, we have people from different um, backgrounds who are, are coming together and fighting for this. But, like, this, the fact that they're trying to push this through in, like, less than 30 days is just a show of force that the Republicans don't give two fucks about the American people. They only care about their agenda. Which, to be honest... It's not a bad strategy because I wish the Democrats would do that sometime. 
The Democrats always do a means-tested thing. How will this play out against Republicans? How will this play out against independents? Motherfuckers, we won the election, so let's do some Democratic shit that we put in our platform. Let's get it done. Um, and I think sometimes we try to be, and again, it's good to be a big tent, but we try to be too big of a tent um, and include Republicans in. I, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. the, 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 problem with, uh, the problem with the big tent is this idea that I'm going to decide what I'm going to do based on what I think someone else is going to do. Like, what do I think people want? Like, it's one thing to know what your community wants when you work in the community. But if you're just politically thinking, like, should somebody say this or that, it's the wrong, that's the wrong answer. You know, so I hope that... Um, People just start thinking about things for themselves, and we keep up the pro progress that we've made. Uh, I hope that people will go to Squeezebox Records, our independent record store, who has uh, let us borrow these mics again. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Squeezebox. Uh, I hope you will go to uh, patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker and, and uh, donate to the Highlands Bunker and, and support our work, become a member. I hope you will go to Delaware Call and you'll read the stuff that Delaware Call is, is putting up and you'll think about supporting independent journalism. Uh, I hope that you'll be following the work of Kobe Owens and others and signing up to do organizing and uh, direct action and mutual aid in your community so that you can actually learn about like what people want and how your life can be better rather than like going on Facebook. And I just um I hope that we can continue the gr very great progress that we've that we've uh achieved over the last several years because I'm although we're going to argue a lot uh <laughs> I hope that uh this continues and I hope that we continue talking about how we're all on the same team and we're not looking to talk about who's not good and not good enough and doesn't do it right because as we've talked about earlier if I have to step in as the dad as the father figure and, and administer spankings I will administer <laughs> fucking spankings I will put somebody over my knee and I will be like stop acting like a little fucking baby because I don't like that. And I just want to add, um, since you plugged everything else, um, if you want, you can donate to Block Pack, B-L-O-L-C Pack, Black Leaders Organizing Our Communities. It's a pack that I started stemming out of my campaign and keeping the energy going. Um, and another thing, make sure you support um, the progressive candidates that are still on the ballot come November um, I'm pretty sure most of them have general election um, opponents. Um, and again, like election night for me did not turn out how I want it, um, but I still had some champagne there. I still popped some bottles because overall we had a big victory that night um, with electing, you know, a, a black man to the Claymont area, electing a um, black woman, another black woman to the state Senate. 
um, a black Muslim woman um, to the state house um, and a, a black educator in Middletown. So we had some huge wins that night and we have some more people on the ballot, um, young progressive people like Darren Harris down in Sussex in the 35th. Um, so please support them. Please donate to them as well, too. Um, and I will be out for each and every one of them um, if they'll have me, um, which I know they will be because, like, we friends. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, block and, and to block, we're going to this will This will out. come as no surprise to you. It will come as no surprise to uh, everybody that I've talked to over the last, well, everybody who I've ever talked to. Um, yeah, it's not about one. If anybody thinks that uh, anybody who lost an election or was on a campaign that didn't uh, wasn't successful uh, thinks that anybody is, like, sad and we're not going to come for you, we're not going to keep coming for you, you're, gonna, you're making it. Well, you know what? Make that mistake. Because we don't look at it like that. We're all, we're all on the same team. And uh, just watch what we do. Mm-hmm. Just watch. So I'm excited. Again, I move into a new chapter of my life. Thank you for having me on the show again. We have a lot of time to still make up for it. Um, so I look forward to being back. Yeah, damn right. All right, everyone. We'll speak to you soon. Left is best. Take care, y'all.